Hello, hello, hello. My name is Courtney Turner, and you are listening to Bluegrass Community Foundation's Do Good Radio Hour. Happy 2023! I hope that you are feeling refreshed in this new year, and I hope you are ready for the first full year of my time here on the Do Good Radio Hour. I am so excited for this year. We have so many guests who will be joining us, and we are going to be learning more, growing more, laughing more. I can honestly guarantee there will be more tears this year, but very happy tears. And as we dive into this new year, we want to know what you want to hear. So head over to our Facebook and Instagram and send us a message or leave a comment on today's episode's post, letting us know who you think we should invite to be on the show. We want to continue talking to guests who you want to hear from. So let us know, and we can't wait to see all of your suggestions. While you're at it, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BGCFKY, or visit us at BGCF.org to stay up to date on all of the do-good opportunities we have in Central and Appalachia, Kentucky. Our very first guest of 2023 is someone I've been dying to get in the pod lab for a while. He is a foodie, a real-life MasterChef competitor, which SOS, I cannot live. A Lexingtonian, and hello, he is our new vice mayor. If you don't know him yet, you are definitely going to know him now, and we are sure you are going to love him just as much as we do. Here is Dan Wu. Dan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Thanks. Happy 2023. Yes. Uh, that still sounds weird to say, but yes. It's very strange. You are our very first guest of 2023, and it is a big year for you. Yes, I would say so. I want to start by congratulating you on being elected vice mayor. How are you feeling? I'm good. Uh, overwhelmed, but kind of in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Feeling really great. That's amazing. Now, 
Can you talk to us a little bit about what it means to be vice mayor? Because I think you always hear about what a mayor does, but there has to be so many different moving parts with being vice mayor. So explain to us what that's going to be looking like for you. Yeah. uh, First off, it's kind of a weird name. Um, There's a part (laughs) of me that wishes it was called council president because that's what the role is. So I don't work for the mayor. I'm not the mayor's lieutenant. I don't work in her (laughs) office. Uh, If you think about it this way, the mayor is the leader of the executive branch, and I am the leader of the legislative branch, which is the city council. Okay. And what are some things that you all are going to be diving into this year? So many things. Yeah. Um, The two of the biggest issues that came up during the campaign, and I think that was important for a lot of people, uh, are public safety, Mm -hmm. um, people, uh, crime and uh, violent crime, in particular gun violence in particular, have been on people's minds for a while now. And then um, housing. Mm -hmm. And and housing ties into all kinds of different, um, really different issues. Housing isn't one issue. We're talking about everything from homelessness to affordable housing to housing affordability, which is slightly different, mm-hmm. um, to our land use policies, zoning, all of that kind of stuff. Basically, the gist of it is um, how do we want our city to grow and can we provide uh, all the necessary housing for everybody who wants to live here? Mm-hmm. These are obviously very big issues that we have in our community. How does one go about even starting to tackle those issues? Um, I think you tackle it, you just start chipping away at it, honestly. Um, Big things are very hard to do. Mm -hmm. They take a long time. They take a lot of consensus. They take a lot of buy-in. People often complain that government moves slowly. Um, I used to be one of these people that complained (laughs) about it. Mm -hmm. And now that I can get to kind of see the inside and the process of it, I understand to a great degree why things take a long time. Um, very often, we are very deliberate uh, about it because we are spending millions and millions of dollars of taxpayer money. And you can't just kind of wing it and, you know, make stuff up as you go along to do it. There has to be a lot of um, checks and balances. There has to be a lot of input from the community, from all the stakeholders. Uh, so it is definitely a process. But I would say, you know, uh, what is it? Many hands make light work, right? Yeah. Uh, there are 15 of us on council. Uh, all of us have, you know, some different priorities, some of them based on our districts for the district folks. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to kind of chop up uh, elements of all of these challenges and have people kind of spearhead them themselves. And that's part of what I want to encourage all of our fellow council members to do is to take a thing that you're really passionate about and and see what you can do with it. Start moving it into committee. Um, kind of researching the the best, most impactful ways to affect it and then bring it up to council and, you know, we'll, we'll move from there. So, yeah. What are you most excited for this year? Um, just in general or yeah, with, just, with council work? With, or, with council with, work. Yeah. Uh, I'm most excited not even necessarily about specific topics or, or things we're going to tackle. I'm excited to work with this brand new council. Uh, the council has, I think, uh, the biggest or one of the biggest classes of new, you know, first year council people. So uh, exciting. Six of us. Uh, it is the most diverse council we've ever had. We have six people of color. We have nine women on council. Uh, we just broke all kinds of records last year uh, right. in the election. So to me, what's exciting about that, partly, you know, I think a lot about representation. So partly is that there are a lot more people in the city now that get to see themselves reflected in their local government. 
But more than that, what I'm excited about is what diversity means to me is people are bringing more lived experiences, more of their own personal histories and perspectives that have never been reflected on council before. Mm -hmm. And having a more diverse range of experiences and histories and cultures means that we can think about solutions, we can think about ideas from a much more mm -hmm. wide-ranging, um, out-of-the-box kind of perspectives, and that's really exciting to me. Right. Now, going off of that, speaking of representation, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the first Asian-American elected to the role of vice mayor here in Lexington. How does that feel? What does that mean to you? That's that's huge. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. Uh, as far as I know, I'm the only Asian-American elected to council, uh, period. Um, you know, my, my first answer is it's about damn time. Yeah. Um, and, and I say that with all of the firsts that we, that we hit last year. Um, I don't think about it too, too much, honestly, in terms of sort of, um, oh, I'm the first Asian American uh, to office. Um, my hope is always that being a first means somebody coming up after me doesn't mm -hmm. have to be the first. Mm -hmm. I hope for my daughter, uh, who's half Chinese, that whatever she ends up doing in her future as an adult, she won't be the first anything. Mm -hmm. That that would be the hope. Um, but I think for young people and for certain communities, we don't get to see ourselves reflected in certain parts of culture. Um, Asian Americans, you know, you you see us and you think of us a lot of times as doctors and engineers and scholars and you know academics and things like that. Um, and only in recent years have you seen more of us in uh, pop culture and entertainment and, and music and comedy and all that stuff. But you don't see us very often in politics. Um, you know, there are few and far between um, Asian American politicians in the, um, the national scene. Certainly in Kentucky, it's very, very rare. We have uh, one Asian American state representative, Nima mm -hmm. Kulkarni, out of Louisville. Um, but that's it. Um, the closest we have is um, Aftab Purabal, uh, who's a Asian, uh, South Asian American uh, mayor of Cincinnati, mm -hmm. newly elected a couple years ago. Uh, there's Michelle Wu in Boston. Um, so we're popping up here and there yeah. all over the country, but it is still few and far between. And my hope is for any other Asian American or really people from other underrepresented communities to be able to see it and say, oh, that is something I can be. That is something I can strive for. And, and that, to me, is very helpful. Right. Do you feel any sense of pressure? What comes with being the first? Um, I try not to because, A, I do not represent all Asian Americans <laughs> in the world, in the country, in the state, in the city. Um, you know, I'm, I'm me. I'm Dan Wu. I'm, um, but having said that, people from the outside will put that kind of pressure on you. Um, and to me, that's why diversity is so important, that if there were more Asian Americans on council or in city government or in these kind of roles, then none of us have to carry it by ourselves. Mm. And I think that's important. Yeah. I want to move into your story a little bit because it's so interesting. I want to start off by saying this was the first time that I was able to vote in Lexington, which was Yay. really fun. I've decided that I'm going to stop saying that I'm new to Lexington because yes. I'm coming up on year three now. Oh, yeah. So I'm yeah. now here. Yes. I'm now in Lexington. Yes. But also you are a Lexington transplant. So tell us a little bit about how you got here. 
Yeah, so uh, let's see. The the long short story or the short long story is I was born in China, came to the States when I was eight uh, with my family. Um, we first settled in Fargo, North Dakota, mm. of all places. And then my dad got a job at UK, so we moved to Lexington when I was 12. Uh, went to school here, went to junior high, went to Henry Clay, went to UK. Um, graduated UK, Lexington felt way too small for mm-hmm. me at the time. Um, ended up moving to San Francisco then moved to New York, and then moved back after I started a family myself. And I've been back now for 16, going on 17 years. So I say I'm from Lexington because I've lived in Lexington for well over half my life, mm-hmm. longer than anywhere else, um, but just kind of in two little segments. So, um, And there's a part of me, too, that I think very often people love to know or love to brag about, like, oh, I'm a fifth-generation Kentuckian, or how long right. have you been here? You're not mm-hmm. a real... Um, local and I bristle at at that sometimes because to me it's you know if you were born somewhere that's just luck of the draw you had nothing to right. do with that whatsoever and uh, so and that to me is kind of the definition of privilege as well um, I got asked that a lot uh, when I was campaigning mm-hmm. um, and I think when they said where are you from or what's your background they they are they weren't necessarily talking about like race and ethnicity. But for me, that's something I've grown up with. So there's always that hint of that. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they were just wanting to know, are you a quote unquote real Lexingtonian or have you been here long enough? Right. Which I, I get that. But at the same time, to me, it's not about longevity. It's about how deep of roots you want to put down in mm-hmm. Lexington. How much change do you want to affect? How much do you want to be an active part of the community? I love that. I'm honestly going to get that tattooed somewhere on me. Perfect. That's, that, I, that's a little bit long for a tattoo. But. Oh, we'll put it in, like on my back or something. Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> I feel a little bit of imposter syndrome because I grew up in a very small town in Kentucky, but definitely not Lexington. Then I moved to Brooklyn, which you lived in Brooklyn, yes. hey? Uh-huh. And I've just recently come back. So a lot of times, especially in the past few episodes that I've done, it's almost out of respect that I have to say, oh, I'm not originally from here. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you're the man with the plan. Everybody knows who you are. So hearing your story for the first time, I was so excited. And then I started talking to everybody in the office about it. And they were like, right, yeah, like that's his whole deal. And I was like, I don't know because I'm not from here. But I feel so grounded here. And I feel like this is really starting to become home. So I'm going to – I want to plant roots here. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a power to laying claim – um, you know, I think so much about the, the question or the phrase, where are you from, mm-hmm. that we actually started a podcast, uh, you know, uh, a year ago called Where Y'all Really From? Oh, I love. Because that is a question that Asian Americans and basically any any person that doesn't, quote unquote, look like they're from around here, mm-hmm. we get this question all the time. And we named it Where Y'all Really From because really is the interrogation part. It's right. the second question. So if, if somebody says, where are you from? And I say Lexington, they go, yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, somebody one time said very uh, succinctly, uh, the question really is, why aren't you white? Yeah. And that's basically it. It's like, no, but, you know, where are you really from? How come you don't have an accent? Your English is so good. All of this other stuff. And... So in the in the recent several years, I've thought a lot about sort of belonging and um, where do we belong and who are we. And just because my face isn't what you think of when you think of Kentucky, mm-hmm. 
doesn't mean I'm not a Kentuckian. I have as much right to be a Kentuckian, to be a Lexingtonian, to be an American, to be a local mm. as anybody else. But it takes a more sort of more strident, stronger claiming of it that it's not a default, that you don't look at me and take that for granted. Right. So that we have to assert it. Mm. Now, living in all of these different places and having so many different experiences, how is that shaping the way that you in this very diverse council is going to be shaping the leadership of Lexington? Yeah, um, I love the fact that um, Lexington, uh, I remember reading an article a while back about, um, what was it, magnet cities that Mm -hmm. attract people and boomerang cities where people leave and come back. Okay. And Lexington is a boomerang city. I know a lot of people who grew up here uh, or sometimes grew up in like small town Kentucky, came here, went to somewhere bigger, went to the coast, went to the big metropolises and then came back. What we bring back with us is a a, a sense of different perspective. Um, I say to everyone, uh, when I ask the question why, my least favorite answer is that's how we've always done it. Mm. And I can't stand it. I can't stand that answer. And so for me, having lived in other places, I've seen other ways you can do literally everything. Mm -hmm. How you open a restaurant, what kind of food you do, how you manage the city, how traffic goes, what our roads should look like, all of that stuff. There are a million different ways to do every single thing. And it's very easy to get locked into something, what I call the tyranny of tradition, um, where, no, this is just how we've always done it for 100 years. Well, you could apply that to everything. You can say, like, well, if, you, if you're that much of a, an originalist, you can say, well, yeah, the government is always just white men with property. Right. Right? And, and we're, we've come a long way from that. So for me, bringing those perspectives, especially from bigger cities, is to be able to see, okay, this is how they deal with uh, urbanization. This is how they deal with density. This is how they deal with public safety and crime. This is how they nurture multiculturalism or small business development, all these kind of things. So it mm-hmm. brings that fresh perspective, I think. Right. Let's be real for a second. How much do you spend on coffee every day? If you're anything like me, we are talking at least double digits, but I cannot get away from those chai tea lattes. However, if you are wanting to take some of those daily dollars and make a difference in our community, I invite you to join BGCF 365. Now the idea is simple. You give $365, a dollar a day, to make our community better. You pull those daily dollars together with others. Then once a year, you decide together which organizations you want to receive grants. An initiative of Bluegrass Community Foundation, BGCF 365, unites and informs emerging philanthropists to make a collective impact on Fayette County. BGCF 365 is for givers of all ages who want to make Lexington a better place to work, live, and play for all. For more information on BGCF 365, visit us on Instagram at BGCF365. That's BGCF365. As I was researching you, because I had to stalk a little bit, I did not know that you were on MasterChef. Yes. Uh, Coming up on almost nine years now. I laid in the floor and died. I was so excited. Please tell me about that experience. 
Yeah, this was uh, me coming out of my first marriage. I was in a sort of a reinvention phase of my life. Mm -hmm. And then a friend of mine just told me that they were having local auditions for the show called MasterChef, which at that point I had not watched. Um, so I drove up to Columbus with my friends, made a dish, um, presented it there, went through this whole process. And several months later, I got flown out to um, Los Angeles and was out there for about five weeks filming the show. Uh, you know, got, got kicked off. Um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Did not win $250,000, sure. did not win the, the big prize, um, and came back home, and then I had a couple of months before the show aired, and once the show aired, uh, I had a bunch of watch parties and stuff here. It was a whole lot of fun, and what I realized for me was this is my opportunity to leverage this appearance on the show and this notoriety into my next phase, which I wanted to go into food professionally, mm -hmm. and before that, I was just an amateur home cook. So this kind of blew down the doors for me and, and got my foot in the door. I'm mixing analogies. Um, <laughs> and, and it allowed me to kind of start my professional food career, which evolved into doing private events and pop-ups and restaurant takeovers and then eventually to opening Atomic Ramen mm. in 2017. Uh, and then uh, the, the thing that I've kind of loved about my life is I can't really predict my life five years from now. Sure. Five years ago, if you told me that I would be Lexington's vice mayor, I would have been, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Five years before that, if you had said you're going to open a restaurant, I'd be like, no way. That's not something I would do. You know, so mm -hmm. um, that's been kind of my life path for a long time. Right. Where did that love of food come from? Um. I want to say it's being Chinese, but that's, you know, there are many, many cultures uh, that are so obsessed with food, mm -hmm. and the Chinese certainly are are one. Um, I grew up eating great food. I grew up a uh, latchkey kid with two busy working parents, so I kind of fended for myself, and I've been cooking for myself since I was very young. Uh, and then living in San Francisco and New York, two of the best food cities in America, yes. certainly helped. So I was a young 20 to 30-something uh, with a little bit of disposable income, and we just ate our way through those cities right. and kind of had my own food education. And then when I came back to Lexington, it was a little bit of a shock that first year coming from New York to Lexington in terms of the food scene, which actually spurred me on to cooking more. I did not cook very much in New York City because you didn't have There's to. There's no kitchens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, but in Lexington, uh, I started really cooking for myself, and then it kind of just slowly evolved, and then sort of MasterChef was that was that kick right. uh, up. So I've always always loved food, um, not just from a you know an eating point of view. That food to me is the best window into other cultures. It's the first thing we learn about another culture, mm. and it's the last thing we lose as part of that culture. Um, there are a lot of folks like me who have been in America or have had that kind of distance from their home country uh, or their parents' home country. Um, you lose language, you lose a lot of the culture and customs, but you don't lose the food. That's the last mm. thing that, that you hang on to. So food is so, so important to me. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's also a window to the community that you're in. So when I was talking to my partner last night about this interview, without even mentioning it, he said, that's Atomic Ramen guy. That we, <laughs> I, we used to go to Atomic Ramen uh -huh. all the time. So how did that experience really 
open the door for you to get more involved in our community? And how did that in turn make it possible for you to be where you are now? Like you said, Mm. vice mayor wasn't even something that was on your radar at Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. So how did all of that play together? Uh, I think it started with MasterChef that kind of catapulted me into this level of sort of local notoriety. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, um, before I did Atomic Ramen, I started a radio show uh, that turned into a podcast. And first year I had it on WRFL, second year I had it on uh, Radio Lex, back when it was Lexington Community Radio. Uh, And then third year it became an independent podcast and it was called The Culinary Evangelist, which was my personal brand. Um, and it gave me an excuse to talk to just a, a huge wide array of people in the food scene locally. Um, so that kind of got my name out there as well, mm-hmm. making those connections. Um, the restaurant kind of kicked it up another notch to where people kind of knew about me. And so for me always, I wanted to use, I was never into being like famous or well-known just for its own sake, mm-hmm. right? Um, I wanted to be able to parlay that into doing some good for the community. Uh, I don't believe in the phrase giving back because it sounds weirdly transactional Mm. as if like I've taken a whole lot and now I need to give back. So I don't think of it in those terms. I think of it as just staying part of the community, like Mm. it is part of our community responsibility as a a resident, as a um, business owner, as, as any of those things to stay connected and use whatever means we have to make our community better. So for me, it was using Atomic Ramen to do some fundraising. You know, we do those very typical, like, um, you know, first Tuesday of the month, we give 10% back to Seed Leaf or to Kentucky Refugee Ministries or all these great nonprofits we have in town. So I've kind of always stayed connected to those. Um, and, and being connected to those means I was connected to other people in the community who are doing really interesting things. So when I started thinking about running for office, that was the natural sort of base of support that I tapped into first, where all the business owners that I knew, all the restaurant owners that I knew, fans of the restaurant, um, old dining clients of mine, um, and then all the connections I had with with nonprofits uh, and kind of started there and and built from there. Mm. Did you have people, uh, I mean, clearly you had people who were, Team Dan all the way, but did you have other people who were like, what are you talking about? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> um, no. That's great. Yeah. we. Uh, I think 201, everybody was super excited about it. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it felt to them like the natural sort of evolution of, of me wanting to, you know, shifting a little bit away from... And Pandemic definitely had a, a part to play in it because our restaurant our brick and mortar out of the summit, we ended up closing summer mm. of 2020 along with all the other vendors and there, almost all the other vendors. Um, and then my contract changed at UK, um, what I was doing there. So my life as I knew it kind of downshifted mm-hmm. at the same time of me thinking about running for office. So it kind of just worked out that way. If I were going full throttle with the business, uh, I don't think I'd be able to do this right, right now. So part of it was just that confluence and that, and that timing that, that really worked out. But people, by and large, have been super, super supportive from day one. Uh, and it's been the term that I keep using that I've used for the last year and a half is humbling. Mm. Um, the, the fact that people would shell out their own hard-earned money 
to contribute to my campaign and spend so much of their time outside of work and their weekends and their evenings going out knocking doors for me, writing tens of thousands of postcards for me. It was kind of amazing. Um, and and I want to say big part of what that is is the fact that I have invested time in the community, that I wasn't just some random person that showed up out of nowhere to say, hey, I want to be a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, people knew who I was, um, knew my track record, knew that I was passionate about making positive change and, and making Lexington the best it can be for everybody, uh, not just some people. I think that's the kind of the trust that people put in me. And uh, and it was, once again, humbling. Right. What advice would you have for a younger generation who know that they want to create change in this community, but they don't really know how to start that process, or maybe they're thinking of running for office, but that seems really scary. I don't know how anybody does that. That seems so scary. What advice would you give to them? Uh, For young people starting out wanting to be involved and wanting to help with the communities, literally just pick what you're most interested in. Uh, If recycling is your thing and sustainability is your thing or um, women entrepreneurs is your thing, whatever it is, pick one. And I can almost guarantee you there's an organization in Lexington working towards that goal right Mm now. Uh, You don't need to reinvent the wheel. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you might be thinking of an idea or a thing that just nobody's doing. And and that to me is part of the entrepreneurial mindset. Nobody at the time was doing ramen when I opened a ramen shop. Um, But honestly, just pick something and go at it. Um, Join an organization, go help out, go volunteer, um, really kind of pick anything and then establish yourself. and, and you'll soon figure out, like, what your lane is. You might be an organizer and an activist and, and put together rallies, you know, downtown uh, for certain causes. You might be great at fundraising. You might be great at putting together teams of volunteers to go clean up creeks um, and, and, you know, pick up trash. Uh, you might be really great at writing letters to our legislators in Frankfurt. Um you know, bloom where you're planted mm. is, is the way I think about it. Use your skills um, to, the, to the best of your ability and kind of build that up. And, and so far as running for office, um, I think you have, to, you have to know why you're doing it. Um, I have never had a lifelong dream of running for office. That was never a thing. Uh, literally, if you talk to me, say, three, four years ago, no, that's not on my radar. That's not something I think about. For me, partly it was opportunity. Um, our current vice mayor, Steve Kay, is retiring. He's termed out, which opened up a seat on the at-large council, which to me, I saw the opportunity, and I went for it. Um, so it's about timing, uh, and it really is about, um, you know, why are you doing it? Uh, we're not doing it for the money. Uh, the council members do not make a, you know, it's 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 salaried like a part-time job Mm -hmm. even though it really is a full-time job Um, campaigning is really hard it's really emotionally taxing Um, you have to absolutely create a base of supporters Um, it takes money I mean it's a little sickening how much money it takes to to run a campaign even on the local level but those are the realities Um, so kind of figure out and, and it's not for everybody, you know. Um, 
campaigning is not for everybody, and then governing and being a, a, a local public servant is also not for everybody. So, um, but yeah, like I said, bloom where you're planted, use your skills, um, use your own unique skills in the best way possible. Now, every episode, we like to go into our BGCF Fast Facts, which is where I'm going to ask you a question. And without thinking about it too much, you're going to give me the first thing that pops up. Are you ready? Okay. What are you reading right now? Uh, these days, I'm an audiobook guy. I, I don't have the brain power to mm-hmm. absorb actual book books anymore. Um, but I've been really digging into um, science fiction by writers of color. So I just finished uh, The Paper Menagerie by Ken Liu, and I just started on The Hidden Girl by Ken Liu, uh, collections of uh, sci-fi short stories, and just fantastic, oh, great stuff. That. And especially if you, uh, if there's a really good reader for it, um, it, it, it's almost like watching a movie. Oh. What are you watching right now? Um, watch all kinds of stuff. We just started last night, uh, Wednesday, Oh, the, uh, yes. the Wednesday Adams yep. thing. So that's fun. That's partly too, like I have so much on my mind right now that I need something like a little bit light and fluffy and not... Not too I, deep. Not too deep. Exactly <laughs> right. What are you listening to right now? Uh, musically, when I was canvassing, I always hype myself up at the beginning of my walks with some like metal or hard rock. So it was like Tool or uh, Silver Sun Pickups. Um, these days, I'm really digging the new album from Metric mm-hmm. called Fro, uh, From Interior or something like that. Yeah, really, really good. Love it. What are you eating? Right- I'm so excited. What are you eating right now? Well, if you had asked me a couple months ago, it would be very, very sad. It would be like, you know, frozen waffles at 10 p.m. with peanut butter. Um, campaigning is not great for eating mm-hmm. or cooking because of the, the kind of hours that you need to put in. We will uh, throw in that waffles with peanut butter is delicious. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know. It's not it's not a bad thing, but it's definitely sort of a college diet. Yes. Um, and I really love cooking for my family. And during the last two months of the general and during the last two months of the primary, I was not at all feeding my family. And so I'm kind of getting back to that now. Um, I, I love home cooking. Uh, right now, uh, it's cold, so I'm into soup season. I love a good gumbo. Mm. Uh, you know, make a huge batch, eat on it for three days. So, yeah. Love it. What are you most scared of? That's a, huh. I'm, I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. So anytime... I read an article about like somebody dying, especially like an accidental death. Mm-hmm. Um, it freaks me out because I get into this little wormhole of thinking about it, and I don't have that sort of belief system to fall back on, thinking like, "Oh, there's a next thing." Sure. Um, and so the idea of just ending freaks me out. And I wouldn't even say I'm scared of it. It's more like I don't want to go yet. Like I got, I'm enjoying my life. I got stuff I need to do. Mm -hmm. No, that is terrifying. Yeah. No, thanks. What are you most proud of? Um, Honestly, that we pulled off a a very historic and very unusual electoral victory. Mm -hmm. Um, In the past, there have been people who went from first-time candidate into either the mayor's office or the vice mayor's office. 
those folks have almost always been independently wealthy or self-funded, mm-hmm. which is not what I am. Um, so we pulled off just a truly grassroots campaign and went from, you know, political novice to, you know, the, the highest office for council. Uh, and I'm really, really proud of that uh, and really proud of the, the team that we put together that, that helped us get there. Mm. Who do you look up to? All kinds of people. Honestly, this town is full of amazing people who are willing to give generously of their time and experience. Um, just off the top of my head, uh, Weta Michael, the queen of local cuisine, she's been a mentor and a friend um, since day one of me doing restaurants and just her and just so many other people, honestly, like in the process I'm going through now of meeting all the other council members and commissioners and just other people in city government, everybody has been just super generous and everybody wants you to succeed. And um, so it's it's almost hard to pick one person that I look up to. Like there's so much great support in this town. Mm. What are you most looking forward to? This is in general. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, certainly looking forward to what this council um, can hopefully accomplish in the next few years. Uh, just looking forward to a new job, really. Uh, looking forward to decorating my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't had an actual office office in a long time. I've been self-employed for a long time. Um, so sometimes I look forward to like silly stuff, like what toys am I going to bring from home? What posters am I going to put up? Yes. Uh, what kind of books? Um, so kind of kind of silly stuff like that. What posters are we thinking? Um, well, I have in my house, I have a ton of just pop culture stuff. So, so much stuff based on movies and comic books and, you know, toys and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like n- not do all of that as much. I, I'm still going to be me, but there's a certain level of, you know, professionalism. You just need you like a little taste. Yeah. I have... Um, some cool vintage maps of Lexington oh. from the 70s and beyond uh, that I want to put up because those are really fun where, like, Man of War Boulevard did not exist. That's so cool. And so many neighborhoods did not exist. So to be able to put that up next to a contemporary poster I think would be uh, would be pretty fun. Beautiful. Why do you love our community? <sighs> Lexington, I'm telling you, I want everybody from Lexington – to move away for a couple of years <laughs> and live somewhere else, preferably somewhere bigger, and then come back mm-hmm. to really appreciate how much we have here. Um, Lexington is big enough for cool stuff to be happening and interesting things and, and sort of cultural things. It's also small enough that you can make a difference. If I were still in San Francisco or New York, there's no way in hell I would have opened a restaurant or run for local office, no. right? You're a speck. You're a little dot um, you know, in that sort of sea of humanity. In Lexington, you know, we're, we're a mid-sized city of 324,000 people, but we're still a small town where everybody knows everybody, mm-hmm. uh, and that's good and bad. Um, but but the good part about it is that it, it does feel like a tightly knit community, and we have so many great advantages. We have an amazing urban-rural balance. You can drive from downtown three or four miles out in any direction, and you're in horse farm country. Uh, as opposed to suburban sprawl. Mm. Um, there are just so many things that we have going uh, in this community, which makes me like even more eager to, to make it better um, 
And, and when I say make it better, to make sure we make it better for everybody uh, and not have this sort of two-tiered culture or society where, you know, some of us are doing really well and enjoying our lives and benefiting uh, and, and some of us are not. Why do you love yourself? Um, huh. I, huh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I don't have a lot of fear and I'm not a fear-based person. Um, I'm a, I'm a hope-based person and there's a certain level of naivete in that, especially coming into like a political job for the first time. I don't know what I don't know. But there's a certain level of power in that because I also don't care what can't be done or I don't believe it or I don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. So I can say, well, let's try this. Why haven't we tried this? Why haven't we tried this in years? Um, what's wrong with doing it this way? Why can't we, you know, um, think of these ideas? So sort of, a, um, um, yeah, an unafraid creative way of thinking mm -hmm. um, is something that I really actually do enjoy about myself. Last question. How can people find you, get in touch with you? You are a very busy man. Yeah. So how can people connect? Yeah. Uh, right now, um, personally on Instagram, my personal Instagram is just Atomic Ramen. Um, my campaign page is still up. It's Dan Wu for Lex uh, on Instagram. Those are the two best ways to find me. I will very soon also be um, starting a, an actual Vice Mayor Dan Wu, Instagram, and Facebook. I uh, uh, haven't established those quite yet. Uh, but yeah, those are the best ways to communicate. Uh, you can go to the city's website. I'm not sure when all the information is going to be up, but you can go to uh, Lexing, uh, I think it's lexingtoky.gov, uh, and then you know, you'll find all that contact information. Uh, where We're very reachable, and we want to be able to stay connected to our uh, constituents. Dan, thank you so much for being with us today. Happy New Year. Big things coming for you this year. And we wish you luck. Come back and hang out with us sometime soon, please. Absolutely. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Do Good Radio Hour, brought to you by Bluegrass Community Foundation. We'll be back next week right here on Radio Lex, or you can listen to us anytime on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BGCFKY or visit us at BGCF.org to stay up to date on all of the latest giving and do-good opportunities in our community. Until next time, I'm Courtney Turner. Do good and be well. You are listening to the Do Good Radio Hour on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 LP FM Lexington. Our theme song is Happy Tune, written and performed by Brother Smith. The views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the views of Radio Lex, its board of directors, or Bluegrass Community Foundation. The views expressed are solely my own and the guests'.